0: You're listening to Unbroken Jars, Episode 6, Finding His Way from the Bottom. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down were not destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and his power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man, that is Jesus. Jesus continues to use real life stories of those around us to mold us. We will dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories. Their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay.
1: Doug and I are super excited about our guests joining our conversation in this episode. Tom Reynolds began an outreach program for addiction or addiction recovery in 1997. Tom left full-time ministry in 2007 and worked in the business world while volunteering his time to help start his way, a Christ-centered residential recovery facility for men. Today, Tom serves full-time as the executive director for his way. Tom, we want to welcome you to Unbroken Jars podcast and thank you for taking the time to join us today.
2: Well, certainly my privilege. I appreciate you asking.
1: Well, Tom, um, we said this
0: before we even started, but we appreciate what you do, appreciate your passion for what you do. And on this podcast, really what we're trying to do is get to know people and their faith journey. And so if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about you know, where you're from, what brought you here, because I know you're from another part of the world, <laughs> and 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 what do you currently do?
2: Some people consider me from another planet at times. Um, yeah. Yeah, I originally uh, grew up in Washington. I was born in Tacoma, uh, raised in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Um, I became a Christian through college when I was uh, a student at the University of Washington. So I was converted to Christ, learned about him there while I was a student looking for my purpose in life, embraced the purpose Jesus had for me, eventually graduated and um, felt called to ministry and got involved in campus ministry. And so um, for a number of years, I worked in campus ministry, kind of traveled around the country a little bit doing that it was campus minister Pepperdine university, uh, in Malibu it was my first, um, big stop in ministry. I had to start at the bottom, um, in terms of the most difficult place to have to live. Mm. And then, <laughs> um, then <laughs> went life. to from, from there, my rough life took me to, uh, Colorado and I lived in the Rocky mountains for a couple years in Denver. And then, uh. I'm on to uh, New Jersey. I was campus minister and preached in, in Princeton um, at Princeton University and the church there. Um, I came to Huntsville in 1984 to uh, do campus ministry again and to preach at the Central Church of Christ, which brought me to the south. And now I have um, officially lived here longer than I even lived in my birthplace. So I guess <laughs> I'm a, maybe official Huntsvillian at this point.
0: Yeah, it, it would seem so. So uh, some of that story I did, I was unaware of the campus ministry roots as such so are you a Milton Jones connection Yeah
2: actually Milton uh, was my uh, preacher at, at the church at the Northwest Church of Christ when I became a Christian I was his first intern that he had back really? uh, Yeah in the
0: early 80s mm-hmm. I still have a lot of connection with Milton and and uh, that's right he told me last time I saw him to tell you, hey, so hey from Milton. <laughs> oh, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he, I saw him. Uh, I, I saw him uh, earlier uh, in January. I guess it's been a year, almost a year now. But okay. Um, well, so so uh, you're here. You're a southerner. You're now in Huntsville, and uh, you know I, I read that um, several years before you before you came to the way you were involved in addiction outreach, something here in, in, in Huntsville, I think is, is where, it tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about that. And where did your passion yeah, um, for uh, right. addicts come from?
2: Well, you know, I, my passion's always been, um, for dis- discipleship and evangelism. Um, yeah. and so I did that in camp campus ministry for years, did that with singles. And then, um, when I came to Huntsville, I was actually coming to work with the campus ministry at UAH and Alabama A and and kind of reignite that as well as um, preach at Central. So, um, my passion has always been evangelism, and always been that um, focus. In um, uh, so, I started preaching in Huntsville in nineteen ninety four. Um, in nineteen ninety seven, I met a man um, named Richard Gregg who was a uh, was in recovery himself. And uh, he came to our church through his um, daughter and, uh, and had a passion for really sharing the gospel in the context of recovery and AA specifically. Um, he had been involved in Alcoholics Anonymous for a long time. And so he really wanted, he felt like AA had moved in its effort to be more secular and its appeal had moved away from a lot of its biblical and Christian roots. And so he wanted to kind of um, do something to encourage um getting back to a focus on jesus so kind of through our study and through our conversation we started a group called the bridge group um, in 1997 that was a ministry of the central church of christ that was simply a um a a bible study group really that had the structure of an AA meeting because kind of the idea was we would run a meeting like an AA meeting that anybody who's in Recovery would be familiar with the structure, but the content would be Jesus-focused. So we met twice a week, and uh, we did that for a number of years. And I really felt like the concept of a bridge group was really important because I think AA has a lot to offer the church, that the church has lost over the years in terms of its passion for um, the problem. I mean, um, AA is very clear, and we have an adversary, and we got to attack this adversary, and it's very crystallize whereas in the yeah. church a lot of times the enemy if it's discussed or even identified at all is vague and nebulous and and not really clear so um, AA I think really brings the church a sense of a focus on who the enemy really is what the spiritual battles really are and those kind of things they also are obviously strong in mentoring they have sponsors and so every you know everybody successfully going through AA gets a sponsor and a mentor that walks them through the steps and and I was always a part of a you know strong discipleship focused type of thing, and AA had was doing the discipleship thing for a long time. So yeah. I felt like I feel like the church. I mean, the church can really learn from AA and and learn from their experiences and their people as well as just the the rawness and the desperation that people have in AA for hope and for transformation. Um, but what I see in AA or have seen over the years is that. You know when you get a group of people together who all have the same problem as much as that self-help group can be helpful to them on some levels it also kind of um, systemically contains within it its own inherent problems and so the church can really bring maturity it can bring people who don't have that same problem um, have different problems and help bring balance to um, a group of addicts that are struggling to find hope And so I think really having a bridge group, having the connection between the two with the church and recovery, I think is a a perfect blend for everybody. Um, I think the church benefits, I think um, recovery benefits as well. So that was kind of our passion in the bridge group. And uh, we did that for a number of years. Um, That's where I learned about recovery. I also had a heart for it. Um, Growing up, my father had um, had a problem with drinking um, through the years and had impacted our family pretty severely through that. Um, so I certainly knew that side and that experience, and wanted to do everything I could to make sure other kids didn't have to grow up in the same household that that I grew up in. In that in that sense, um, yeah. so those are kind of where my passions come from um, and my experience, and it's been a, a huge blessing. I really believe that um, all the years of campus ministry the discipleship training the evangelism preaching everything i've had an opportunity to do has all kind of prepared me for this i really believe that all this has just been a training for the last number of years to bring me into what i've been doing his way for the last uh, 14 years yeah.
1: I, I i guess in connection with that tom if i you know kind of knowing about your story a little bit uh, there was a time that you were in full-time ministry And then you left full-time ministry worked in the business world then kind of led you to start his way i don't know if you'd be if you would just share a little about your personal journey from full-time ministry to the business world and how you got into his way
2: well um yeah so i was preaching at central for a number uh, of years obviously and the church was growing and doing well um We had the bridge group going. It was a very busy time. Unfortunately, one of the things that happened in my personal life during that time is uh, uh, I went through a divorce in 2003. Um, That rocked my world. That was not something I was intending on or looking for. Um, But my wife, I found out real quickly that one person doesn't want to be married to you. You kind of run out of options quickly as much as you want to be married. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would find yourself divorced quickly. And so um, that was devastating to me. Central was an incredibly supportive um, group during that time. Um, it was hard on, I know the elders and the leadership, but they stood with me and supported me. Um, I, I was preaching at the time and, and typically in the Church of Christ, going through a divorce and remaining in full-time ministry isn't much, it doesn't go hand in hand often. Yeah. But the the church at Central and the elders Um, did stand with me and supported me and loved me through that. Um, And so I remained in ministry during that time. Um, But in 2005, kind of felt like kind of coming to the realization that, you know, there'd be a time when I would probably remarry or those kind of things could happen. And the church supported me doing that. Um, But I really felt like that would be diff. It would be difficult. I didn't want to ask anybody to, to have to marry me and marry the church and everybody else at the same time. And so I felt like it would be best for me to step out of that role. It wasn't ever done. Um, it was really done in interest for for the church and uh, and really not having the church have to you know get distracted with you know whatever my personal life was going on or those kind of things. I felt like would would. Be, do a disservice to the gospel and to the ministry of the church. So I felt like the best thing to do would be to step aside. So I did. Um, I remained at Central. I mean, I've, I've continued to this day to be at that church and be an active member there and, and teaching classes and that type of thing. But um, so I, yeah, I fortunately had a um, brother in the church who was looking for somebody to help him, and, and um, he had bought his partner out, and so he invited me into that, um, that work. And so I did that for a few years. Um, really just kind of prayerfully um, seeking God as to what he wanted me to do next. I felt like um, I was just interested in kind of, you know, what was the next step? What was the next adventure he had for me? Um, I got married um, shortly after all of that. And uh, and so my wife and I were kind of prayerfully looking at what God would want us to do next. And then in 2007, um, the His Way opportunity kind of came together, um, which was... Um, one of the guys that I had influenced for Christ through um, the bridge group um, was coming back to Huntsville, having been through some residential recovery programs and really wanted to start something like that here in Huntsville. I had another brother in the church who um, owned a, at that point, had come to own the facility we're using now mm-hmm. um, through some events that had taken place. And so I kind of brokered that deal in a sense, got them together together and then um and felt like god's hand was on that to really lead us in this direction and so um, at that time i was just mentoring um the process i was um, doug stogner was the guy that was running the ministry at that point and so i was kind of mentoring doug daily um, while i was still working my full-time job and i was kind of helping to get this thing started and giving it direction and then um, came out and taught on wednesday nights and that type of thing initially um, after about six months doug and Clyde Jones, who is the two people who are kind of running this thing, um, they came together and asked me if I would be willing to leave my job and come and start working um, at his way and kind of working alongside Doug. So that's kind of how I got involved um, toward the end of 2007, um, I guess about December I started that. There's a really cool story Um about how that came about i don't know how much time we have here but yeah go um, ahead. ahead. the uh um, it came the day that um we had been my wife and i had been talking about it fasting about praying about it whether this is what we should do or not um and so it came down to finances i mean i had um, two kids in private school and a house mortgage and all that type of thing trying to figure out how to you know take care of the people i was responsible for my responsibilities and be able to do this Mm -hmm. as well so Um, We were praying about what the best thing to do would be and really, I think, wanted to do it, but whether it was going to just open up as an opportunity. And so it was, I remember vividly, it was a Friday. Um, We had kind of been praying and fasting and said, okay, that um, we would make this decision and set a date. And so it was the Friday, it was the day I was going to finally decide. And I was still not sure. And so I actually took my lunch break and went to a restaurant by myself to get my tray and go sit in the corner and kind of prayerfully reflect and do pros and cons and decide and kind of come out of that with that final decision. And I got to the restaurant and a f- guy who was a friend of mine, um, was there at the restaurant. And I, I was kind of in this dilemma. Cause I was like, Oh no, you know, I really should visit with him, but I don't want to, I want to be by myself. I went to this restaurant. So I, cause I <laughs> wouldn't see anybody. And so I could live, be in a quiet place. And, uh, anyway, I decided to sit down with him and talk and, and he, um, and to ask me what was going on. So I told him the story and told him, you know, today was my day. I was trying to make a decision. And when, and the thing he asked me is he said, uh, um, well, I know some of it's financial. So what, you know, what's kind of the financial, um, you know, thing you need. And, uh, and I didn't really want to tell him that, you know, I was just like, well, I'm not really sure. And, but to be honest, it was kind of this $10,000 figure I need to resolve in my head. And he just um, said, well, if my wife and I supported you $10,000 a year, would that help you make that decision? uh, (laughs) Wow. And so I said, uh, it kind of makes it right there. And so it really felt like God brought that divine appointment together and was really a confirmation of what He wanted me to do. And I've never um, questioned that calling since.
1: That's really cool. That's an amazing story. I I, I know uh, you feel like God's led you to this work, uh, Tom, but I know it's got to be based upon what the work is about. It's got to be tough. Um maybe you know tell us a little about the nature of the work you and the other staff members do at his way. What's what's, right. what's involved with that?
2: Well, you know, we say our, our, our program is a residential recovery program. So it's a, a Christ-centered residential recovery program. So first of all and foremost, Christ is at the center. We have a facility that houses forty-five guys. Um and they come and live with us for six months. During that time, I mean, they have struggles um, with addiction. So it's specifically drugs and alcohol. Um, it's strictly men. Um, we uh, they come and live with us for six months. The first thirty days, they're just they're disconnected from family, friends, anybody. They have no phone contact. They're strictly in the program. Um, at that point, our focus is really helping to orient them to a Christ-centered vision of recovery. We don't require them to be Christian, nor do we require them to become Christian. But we want them to understand where we're coming from, what our convictions are, and what our center is as we go about helping them. So um, they have a lot of classes they're involved in. They um, we do uh, we start every morning. There's one of the most important things for an addict coming in here is structure. They they have not had structure. Uh, most of them have not been able to even create structure consistently in their lives. And so we have a very structured program. They're up. They have to be up. In fact, we serve breakfast from 4.30 to 6.30 every morning. So wow. come on down anytime if you want to have a 4.30 <laughs> okay. breakfast. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we have um, devotional at 7. They have three classes every morning that they participate in. And then they do volunteer work in the afternoon at one of our thrift stores. We have four thrift stores. Um, they help support our work, which is a critical part of what we do. They do that um, for the afternoon, come back and do dinner, and then have class every night with everybody. After 30 days, we help them transition into um, to working, and so we have a family meeting. We start re- reconnecting with their family, and we discern during this time, this 30 days, what their needs really are. Do they need marriage counseling? How do they about parenting? What they do with finances? I mean, just try to help them resolve all those things, help them with legal struggles that they have. Kind of our conviction is this, that as Christians, we are committed to every facet, just as guys committed to every facet of our lives. So we are, as Christians, our ministry commits to every facet of their lives. So it's not just enough to say, okay, you've been clean and sober for six months, but... Um, you know, are you resolving your um, legal issues, your financial issues, your marital issues, relationship issues, your spiritual issues, your you know um, where you live, you know what kind of car you're going to drive? I mean, whatever it is that um, are the challenges we embrace, committing to walk alongside them and help them. Medical issues, health you know issues, all those kind of things. So that's a big part of um, what the program's about. So it's really a full, comprehensive program. But at 30 days, we meet with the family. So we get kind of a sense of what that situation is. And then we also help them start working. We transport them back and forth to work every day. Obviously, part of that is to help pay their expenses while they're in the program. But really, our interest is helping reestablish them Back in the community again and work obviously for everybody but particularly for men is an important part of our identity important part of our significance is found in work um, and our goal really is not just to get them a job we you know we could obviously contract with a factory bus put a, a bunch of guys in a van run in the factory every day and get them paid you know minimum wage and cover their bills and that kind of thing our goal is really to help create a career track for them so we we help them through the process of interviewing, resume writing, all that type of thing. We help them get plugged in so everybody works different places. And then we have to go through the task twice a day of um, shuttling them to, f- to work back and forth because we tra- handle all the transportation. So we have 45 guys that we got to get to work and 45 guys we got to pick up every day. So um, I don't know what your family's like, what getting teenagers back and forth to w- school and all that was for y'all, but um, 45 guys. Back and forth is a task every day.
1: I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's, that's why you have breakfast so early, right? It's just to get, to get, get everything right. started. <laughs>
2: well, the reason we have breakfast at 4.30 is a lot of our guys are working jobs. So we have to be at work at 5.30. So we didn't have a choice. But if we're going to offer them breakfast, we had to do that. Um, so that's a big part of what we're doing. Ultimately, our goal is to bring about transformation in their lives, share the gospel, give them the opportunity and the hope of choosing Um, Jesus in their life and beginning to see his transformation of lives. And we've seen wonderful stories of guys. I mean, I got um, a group um, kind of a spinoff of this. My wife and I started number a couple of years ago, a a marriage group at our house of guys who are uh, through the program who are married, um, giving them um, the opportunity to um, work on their marriages. And so we have a small group at our house and we have, you know, Six or ten couples, kind of thing that get together weekly, and uh, just seeing the as they grow and, and they change, just seeing that growth in their relationship, and you know having kids, and just seeing that life rebuilt, is a really um, exciting time.
0: Yeah. I love I, I love how um, part of this story was you going into campus ministry, you being discipled and poured into, and you having that passion, and then that passion came out here, and then you went through a tough part in your life that most people you didn't expect, you said that, that you didn't want necessarily. You said that. And then out of that, God brought this ministry for you to disciple people, laid them right at your feet. And and they, they choose that too. It's a path they choose. That's so that's what I love about his way and, and what you all do there is, is that they choose this path. They may not want to be on it because of the difficult nature of it, but they choose this path. So God basically lays these disciples at your feet, which you have this passion for, and, and God's been working through you in that. I, I know this has got to be, I've watched from from my perspective from the outside a little bit, knowing some of these individuals, um, This it's been filled with some success and some failure um, if you could share a few of those successes with us, um, and, and then how do you deal with the failures?
2: Right. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, there's great stories of success. I think about, um, I mean, there's, you know, it's been almost 14 years. All of our staff, all of our staff here are guys who graduate our program. I mean, almost all of them. So, um, our resident directors, our program directors, um, Teachers, um, resident managers, campus leaders are all guys who graduated the program, which has been a great blessing because um, they have a heart for this. They have a passion for it. They feel like they've kind of, you know, they've been blessed by it, too. They understand the day ins and day outs. They know exactly what goes on um, in the rooms and halls of the house and the mindset of every guy who walks through. And so just seeing, you know, we've had, um, I mean, Daryl Floyd's been our resident director yeah. now since, you um, like 2012 or something like that. And he went through the program and uh, came in and then basically has grown up with a Jeremy Mitchell as well, who's I know is from Mayfair. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, we've been blessed with a lot of these guys and just seeing their growth. I mean, you know, Daryl has gone from coming out of 12 years of prison. Into This was his um, home plan was to come to his way so he could get out of prison um, after his 12 <laughs> years. and uh, And now he's, you know, been here for um, eight years, eight or nine years now working here and grown up through the program and the programs. He's kind of grown with it as it's grown. He's grown. Um, he's an amazing brother. I mean, he he has, um, been able to get all of his record expunged and all his, um, rights back, you know, through all of that. Um, he's went through, you know, the pardon and parole process. He has gotten, um, bought his own house. He's gotten, you know, bought two or three cars and, And he's, he's here 24-7, on-call, best friends are all these guys who are um, in addiction. And he's constantly gone to dinner with them, spend time with them and really building brotherhood with them. And everyone loves Daryl and uh, Daryl's Uncle Daryl to a lot of their families because the kids know him as Uncle Daryl and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's been a real heart of what we've done here. And so many, I mean, there's been a ton of guys who have done really well. We've, um, you know, grad, we've had, um, over 800 guys go through this program and about 400 of them have graduated and completed the program. Um, a lot of them have continued to do well, you know, for years that we've been able to stay in touch with. we got a guy right now who graduated, mm, I guess a couple years ago. Um, but one of the things I appreciate, his is Greg. He, uh, um, he committed himself to take advice here. He became a Christian while he was here, um, and take input into his life. And so, uh, One of the things that we set up with him and we've done with a number of guys is once they leave here, one of the things we do is help them manage their money, um, which is always a big um, problem for addicts, um, is have that accountability. So with Greg, he has kept his money here, um, I mean, these two years since he graduated and keeps coming here and does money with us um, on a weekly basis to have his money accounted for. He's um, been working at um, a car dealership selling cars, and he is the... The first um, salesman, this car dealership's been there for 60, 70 years. He's the first um, platinum sales um, um, associate there. Um, he had to sell over, I think he sold sell over 16 cars a month um, for a year. You can get that status. He's averaged 18 a month. Um, he recently got um, um, COVID and he missed two weeks of work. And I was talking about that because I meet with him um, every other week. He missed two full weeks of work. Um came in, had so he had half a month, and he still sold fifteen cars in that half month um, <laughs> and uh, blew everybody out. but he's he's recently um, um, is restoring his relationship with his kids. He's paying child support, which he was not doing for a long time, and restoring his relationship with all of his children. Um, he recently got married um, to a, a woman who's um, starting a women's program over um, um, west of us. And, uh, and it's just exciting to see their commitment to ministry and, and the church and the spiritual relationships they're building. They're just awesome to see. Of course, like you said, um, and I know, Doug, you've been a part of some of the difficulties. Um, um, recently, we've had a number of guys pass away, obviously. And that's always um, a painful part of this process. We had within a period of 18 days, we had four of our guys um, pass away that we had 10 funerals for. Um, which was a pretty intense time. I know you did one of those funerals. Um, That's difficult. And yet one of the things that's amazingly um, been a blessing to me is out of the four guys, all of them were Christian. Um, Three of the four were not Christians until they came to his way. Um, and so we, the funerals became celebrations and they became celebrations and about eternity and about hope and about influence. The most recent one I did, um, I mean, the family is so grateful that if their son had to die at a young age, that at least he died in the Lord and at least he was having spiritual influence when he did it and making to lots of others. Um, the most recent one who passed away. Um, you know, we have seven guys here in the program now who became Christians over the short period of time after he became a Christian that he had influenced. Um, yeah. and, uh, and they can continue to spread the message and live on and live that legacy. And so, you know, even in these physical failures, you know, death, there's a spiritual victory. And ultimately, as a Christ-centered ministry, the spiritual victory is what we're aiming at. So even funerals can be victories if we um, don't forget what our purpose and calling is.
0: Right, I think that's a great perspective. That's so. That's strangely enough, you have been mentioned on one of these podcasts prior to this, actually, by Randy's son, John Fowler, because he was talking about a funeral that he went to of of, of a friend that overdosed, and you basically said that what you just said at the funeral, and it stuck out so much to him that that's how he lives his life now, is realizing that it's it's a, it's about a spiritual victory, right. you know, that physical victories. Come and they go, and we're going to continue to fight. But the spiritual ones are the important ones.
2: And some of some of the most amazing relationships we've developed with family members, um, long term relationships, has been with um, the family members of ones who have passed away. You know, we have a number of volunteers now who are parents um, that their sons died after you know being here in some way, shape, or form. You know, something happened. And, um, and yet they're committed to us and committed to our ministry because the spiritual transformation happened in life was the thing that mattered the most. And, uh, yeah. and so it's, it's significant to me, you know, so many times, you know, in the church, um, we fail to see that perspective and we lose yeah. it so quickly. Um, I remember I have a good friend of mine who I had the opportunity to influence the Lord years ago, and, uh, he's, he's probably 70 some years old, if not 80 now. And, uh he made the comment to me in kind of his simplistic way. He said, why do we say that heaven is the most exciting place we want to be? And then we spend all our time praying that we don't go there, Um, you know, because we're always praying to keep people alive. And and so that's kind of that dichotomy that we have in our lives at times and in the church life, Um, because when a funeral happens, we think that's a failure. But, you know, what I'm seeing over and over again is that that's an important part of the victory.
0: Yeah. That's very true. That came, you know, that came out really clear in this last funeral that, that y'all did that we, that happened here at Mayfair, that I was able to sit and be a, 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 an audience member because I was connected to the family, but it was amazing. Just that, that very thing that it became a victory and it became a victory because of all those other people that he had touched right. and, and, and how his life had even changed, even though, the addiction was still there just like we walk through sin right. and it's still there. It doesn't necessarily go away. It's crouching at the door, but with Christ, right. there's, there, there's well, more. Right? And one of
2: the things um, I had the opportunity um, the Sunday of that funeral, Sunday morning to lead the, our congregation at Central in the Lord's Supper. And one of the things I said, because we talked about what had happened. And um, one of the things I emphasized in that was, you know, we've all relapsed from our spiritual so Some of us are actively in relapse right now. It's just not all of them end deadly. Um, right. and exactly yeah, right. that doesn't change the fact that we're all not struggling with relapse in our lives.
1: Yeah. That's a really good uh, point. Tom, I, I mean, uh, you've done some amazing things with this ministry. Continue, I think God has just really blessed and, and led, uh, and showed himself in so many ways to the, the lives you changed there. Uh, for those that are listening, um, Maybe you can share, you know, how can someone that would might, might want to support the ministry, either financially or want to volunteer, if there are volunteer opportunities there, uh, or if they just have questions about the way, what's the what's the best way to, to do that?
2: Right. Well, you can obviously check out our website. It's hiswayinc.org, and you can check out there. You can find out about volunteer opportunities and find out a lot more about the ministry and and tap into a lot of different options. You can also call us. Um, our number is 256 859 um, 7377. Um, we're here, located here in Huntsville. You can come out and visit. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities. I mean, um, mentoring is huge. I mean, getting Christians connected with these guys um, and their families and just walking through life with them, you know, just, you know, spending, you know, spending, you know, a day, you know, and a meal a month or something where they just spend time together. One of the things we've started, one of the exciting things that's happened is with the COVID um, kind of shutdown that we've experienced for the last year in, in our country. Um, obviously the, the struggle of addiction has not slowed down. It's in fact increased dramatically. And, yeah. and so our, our, needs have increased dramatically, but we've continued, you know, we stayed open through everything. We brought you know, guys in, we've worked with guys. We haven't quit doing what we're doing in spite of it. And, um, And so, you know, getting volunteers, one of the things that happened was Wednesdays, because we normally had been going out to churches and stuff on Sunday and Wednesday. Well, obviously that wasn't an option when churches weren't meeting. So we started doing things here on Wednesday nights. And one of the things that kind of birthed out of that was um, churches coming here and doing a Wednesday night program for our guys. and, And we're doing what we call tabletop fellowship and just kind of getting, you know, take groups of four or five, sitting down with them and having a spiritual conversation about some topic and helping them apply it to their lives. And through that, not only having the conversation, but building relationships with guys, you know, who could be mentors to them, who could be sponsors to them, who be hosts to them and be engaged with them is has been a huge blessing to us. And and obviously our thrift stores um, are a key part of what we do. We have four thrift stores in town. And um, they help support about 40% of our um, what we need to run our ministry here. So one of the great ways to help contribute to the ministry, certainly giving money would be great and going to our website and all those kind of things, but volunteering or donating uh, merchandise to the thrift stores helps us tremendously at keeping this going. We, in fact, we just um, started a couple weeks ago um, a novel thing that we're doing called um, The Santa Way. You know, everything's called, we have His Way and... Um, Our thrift stores are called the saving way. And so now we started Santa way. So getting ready for Christmas, our uh, Madison store has a whole section just totally focused on Christmas. And it's been amazing because it's just blowing it out with people flocking there and supporting that um, already. And, you know, here we are, um, September, October, and people are um, bombarding us with opportunities for Christmas. So it's been great. And volunteers there um, is a huge part of what we do. So, um, you know, financially volunteering, one of the things I'd say is just one of the one of the interviews I love to have and talking to and testimonies I love to hear um, as much as I like it from our residents and the guys through the program is our volunteers. So many of them talk about the spiritual transformation that's come about in their life and the vitality and renewal that's come about in their commitment to ministry. And I think we all know this, but the best way to grow spiritually is to be engaged, loving and serving people in the name of Jesus. And you know, we can yeah. you know certainly reading our Bibles and praying are great resources, but ultimately if we don't have an outlet for that, if we don't have a way to express that, as I was even teaching class this morning, ultimately Jesus says you'll be blessed when you do these things. And so getting right. out and doing it really brings the greatest blessing and real transformation. So I'd encourage any Christian that wants to see spiritual growth in their life, probably the number one way you can do it is get involved in loving people and serving them. And certainly his way is a
0: great avenue to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate what you do. Um, yeah. and I, I, I can't say it enough, I, I, the, for the work you do for these men, for the work you do for the kingdom, but so much the, the way you disciple people, we just, it's something that we need to learn and it really is just walking alongside of people being willing to do that. And I, I appreciate that you've learned that and that you've shared that today. Um, Cause I think this will mean a lot to people when they hear this. Um, it means a lot to me. It's always meant a lot to me what y'all done because, you know, like I said, we've, we've benefited in our young adult ministry, several, several of, of the individuals have come and involved themselves with us and it's, they are always such a blessing because they're so raw. You know, they bring this real nature to Christianity that we don't have a lot of times right. if we're sheltered and uh, or haven't been through the journey that they've been through. Right. So, um, I'd love to I'd love to wrap us up with um, with a prayer, just praying a blessing over uh, over what God is is doing and uh, just the ministry there. Okay. Ken, let's pray. God, I, right now I just lift uh, Tom to you, but not only Tom, Father, every person that touches uh, his way, Father, your hands are on the move there. And we know that, um, as Tom was talking about, we all, have, we all have struggles and we all have relapse in our life, whatever it may be. It may not be drugs, but it, it could be anything. And we all fall and we all uh, fail. And the beautiful thing is you're still there loving us, moving us yeah. forward. And offerings, forgiveness. So I, I'm thankful for Tom, Father, and I just pray for your special hand of blessing to continue to be over this ministry, and uh, what's going on there. Um, thank you for today. Thank you for what we've been able to uh, to hear from from Tom and sharing what they what they do, Father. I just pray I pray that you you, you bless this ministry over and over, and uh, that they impact continue to impact the. The community of Huntsville the way they are. It's through Jesus we pray this prayer. Amen. 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 Thank you, Randy. Thanks, I
2: appreciate having me. I've enjoyed this. love to get together anytime and share more about this. It's great too, that you guys are doing this, and this ministry is a wonderful thing you all are doing, too, to get the message out to others. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening today. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experiences of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.